So you have now listened to the Ryan Holt podcast show. Thank you, my brothers and my sisters, for taking a moment to listen to this one. Eh? Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to hear the Russian one. This is a, you are good. Social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Ryan Holt Show podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Reinhold Show podcast. Wow. Uh, my next guest, she brings a lot of flavor, a lot of color, a lot of um, uh, a lot of views, representation. She's got a lot of energy. She came strolling down my Instagram and uh, and really caught my eye. Uh, my next guest is Svetlana Shunyenko, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Svetlana is an LGBTQ community uh, uh, advocate. She is passionate. She is, uh, you know, speaks a lot about PTSD, anxiety, depression. Uh, she has a one heck of a personal brand, and you really just seem like somebody who is out there. So, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me on again. My voice is still crackling from Pride in New York two weeks ago. <laughs> that's, okay. that's okay. So I reached out to you and I wanted to, to have you on the show because, you know, I like what you're doing. Um, you're using Instagram a lot to really kind of, you know, push out your message. Uh, your whole style is very... What's that one? Uh, you know which girl that people say too that you resemble. I can't for life of me. I cannot remember her. She's got the shaved head with the blonde Amber hair. Amber Rose. Yeah, Amber Rose. <laughs> Amber, Amber Rose. <laughs> yeah. So so Amber Rose has that has that fiery personality too. She even has that thing. I, I seen her do an interview. I think it's called like the Slut Walk or something like that, where she's very yeah. like protagonist. And so I, I wanted to reach out to you, Svetlana, just to kind of shed some light on. You know, I did see a video of you one time and it really touched my heart because, you know, it's it, it looked like you're almost having like a like a breakdown and you posted about it and you said, you know, this is what depression looks like. This is what, you know, having anxiety and a nervous breakdown looks like. And it's funny. Well, it's not funny. No pun intended, but I'm scrolling through all my stories, all my stories, all my stories. And you see everybody's kind of best life and on Instagram and social media in general. And then I see you just breaking it down. And my first impression at first was what the hell is going on here? You know, I just kind of thought about it and I'm like, and I don't know who the heck this person is, but I'm an empathetic person. I kind of thought for somebody to go on, you know, their Instagram stories and really talk about how they're feeling. I mean, our whole show is about curiosity and curiosity is our mandate. So that to me was, was massive. Tell us more about you. This is all about you. Are you a mom? Are you not a mom? Give us a breakdown on who Svetlana is. She's half Nigerian, half Russian. Won't tell me which kind of food she likes first. So uh, it's all about you. Tell us, <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit more. Well, um, Svetlana Chinyanko, I was, I'm an American Canadian. I was born in Montreal, Quebec. Uh, my father was an American, so therefore I got naturalized. So um, I'm a mother of four. I have a 21-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a four-year-old. So, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> wow. And then and then and then are they, what's their what's their mix for race? Uh they're half Nigerian because my ex-husband was uh African too. So okay. yeah. So they're Russian Nigerian like me. <laughs> my god. So why did you take it upon yourself to go on Instagram and really start having the discussion around depression? anxiety, PTSD. You also have a transgender sister who you who you really advocate about, especially with that marginalized community and whatnot. Where did all this come into fruition? What are your goals and kind of what's your crusade? Well, for me, it's um, three years ago, I decided to open up about my struggles with mental health issues. And, you know, I decided to do it very publicly. I went on Global News Montreal and I started speaking, you know, about mental health during Mental Health Month. And I felt that it was important to show the many faces of mental health. And the reason why I say the many faces is because, you know, people see me in social settings. They see me as a mother. They see me out at, you know, events. And they always seem to think that I'm, you know, I'm okay or I'm happy or, you know, and most aspects of my life, I'm very happy, but, you know, dealing with mental health, sometimes, you know, it takes you down. However, I always show up and I suck it up and I go to events and I smile because I don't want to bring anybody down. So 
deciding to come out was really to show people that anybody can suffer with mental health issues. It could be your best friend, your mother, your sister, like it literally could be anybody. You know, people had a vision of me being a model and, and you know, one level of my life. And they always said, well, she must have this perfect life and it must be so amazing and glamorous. There's no glamour when it comes to dealing with mental health. You know, there really is none. So this was my most important thing is that I wanted to show it. And I wanted to show on Instagram where everybody's always showing their best life. Mm. I wanted to show a little bit more realism because I'm a very real person. I'm the kind of person, if you don't want the truth, don't ask me. Because I'm like a straight shooter. <laughs> I'm going to let you know the truth. I'm very straight up. You know? I'm going to challenge so you on that later on in this that. podcast. I'm going to challenge you on that. So you better you better back that up. I'm coming no for you. I'm coming for you. Back it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like to keep it real. So let me show Instagram my life, what it's like to live. You know, I have my good days, my bad days. I'm a mom, you know, and being a parent, mm. as you know, it has its challenges. And I have kids from like grown adults down to little toddlers. So, mm. you know, I this is what it was for me. My crusade is I want to show the face of it. My, why I'm working so much in social media and putting myself in the media is because my goal is to be a UN ambassador for mental health. Mm. In order to do that, you have to be a public figure. You have to be out in the public. You know, this for me is extremely important. I want to end the stigma of mental health. I want to be able to have these types of conversations without anybody feeling, I can't talk about this. Why? We can talk about so many other things. Why do, why do we feel so ashamed to open up about mental health? I think, first of all, I, I, I think we all have anxiety. I think we all get anxiety. Um, you know, I think I think depending on your, your past and your backstory, you know, people have, you know, some people have great childhoods. Some people have terrible childhoods. People are abused. People are, are loved. I think, you know, human nature, humans were flawed. We're, we're flawed by nature. That's just the way it is. I think when it comes to mental health, it you know it, it holds a candle to my close to me because I'm somebody who has a very overactive brain too, and I'm a very positive person. Mm. But you know, even when I was younger, I would get like panic attacks and stuff like that too. And it's something that every single day okay. I would have to say when I wake up, I have to always check in with myself. And you know, I I perform at a high level, and I think that when you're somebody who's ambitious and you want to do certain things and you have a lot on your plate, and and I I think that's humans in general. I hope. Uh, when they have all that, if you're not really dealing with it and really being organized about it and really talking to yourself and constantly checking in with yourself, I think this can become a, a complete time bomb, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. And this is where you see a lot of people's reactions. You know, either they run for the hills and pretend like nothing's wrong with them or they go completely far to the left and let their let it completely consume them. And people who, in my opinion, who, who do a good job of kind of addressing it, being conscious of it, kind of stay in the middle where they say, well, I have my days, I have my bad days, I have my good days, but they're constantly checking in. So for you, people who are listening to the show right now, what's a telltale sign for you where you, in your own personal experience, because you can speak to that, basically said, yeah, I got some anxiety, like I, I get depressed. Like what was, when for you did it change from, oh, it's just, I'm just having a bad day to like, now this is a little different. Like there's a pattern here. Was there anything for you that really helped you recognize that? Oh yeah. Well, my backstory is that I was, I'm a domestic abuse, uh, abuse survivor and I was abducted by my ex. So I was, you know, I was beaten. I was raped for three weeks. I went through a lot of things. I recently started talking about it because somebody asked me the question, well, where did you get PTSD? Because that, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder doesn't just come out of nowhere. So I opened up about it. And for me, I knew something was wrong when I, I I committed suicide and I survived. I'm a suicide survivor based on that because I didn't understand what was wrong with me. You know, I was having nightmares. I was having all these weird visions and I didn't understand what was going on. So I felt for me it was best to end my life because I felt like I was losing my mind and I felt like I couldn't talk about it and I was in my early 20s so when I was in the hospital and you know I was in the psychiatric ward and they were dealing with me they said you 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 have an issue there is a problem 
Mm. I went to therapy and they let me know you suffer with PTSD, you suffer with generalized anxiety and manic depression because my depression gets really bad. Mm. So they're like, you know, of course it was let's medicate you, let's do this, let's do that. So I followed that. So that's how I knew. I literally had to go through such an extreme mm. because I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was so young. I was embarrassed to talk about it. I didn't know who to go to. You know, because we're talking about, you know, 20 years ago, mm. even now people are still having a hard time. So imagine 20 years ago. Of so course. that's for me how I found out really the hard way. You know, what's interesting, too, is that when you go, it's it's really weird. Yours, your your case of kind of the red flag was very extreme. And but a lot of people live mm-hmm. with this very mild. They're they're living with this kind of hell to, you know, to put it, you know, bluntly where it's. They're not going to the extremes, but they're really holding it in deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think with, you know, anxiety and whatnot in general, you know, when we think about it as a society, a lot of it has to do with the lack of conversation around it when it comes to generational. Uh, And the reason I said is when you talk to, you know, I I do a lot of speaking in schools and stuff. When you talk to kids that are in junior high, high school, they suffer with a lot of these same issues. Mm -hmm. Suicide among teenagers is ridiculous. Um, and you often find that it's, you know, household where the parents, they, their parents didn't talk about it. So it becomes a general, generational type of, uh, you know, stigma. And I, I, I never understood why it's a stigma, to be honest with you, because I'm somebody that loves human nature. I study human nature. I'm, I'm fascinated with human nature. And we're flawed individuals. I mean, I, I don't see a stigma around it. I think oh, it's yeah. fan- I see. I think it's fantastic to to really talk about subjects close to people's heart. Right? You go to work every day, or you have a job, or you run a business, or whatever your goals or ambitions are. You know, the person next to you, they're dealing with a lot of crap too. You know, this is this is the reality, mm-hmm. right? I think life is beautiful. I do, and I've I've had my hardships in life. Trust me. Um, but life is beautiful because it's it's really just understanding that, you know, pain is beauty, you know, and and, you know, but a part of getting through mm-hmm. pain, in my opinion, is always to be communicating about how you feel. I feel like when people stop talking about how they feel and expressing themselves, I mean, if everybody did this, talked about how they felt and expressed themselves, you wouldn't need police. You wouldn't even need police. Oh, exactly. Everybody would be like, hey, <laughs> no problem. Let's talk about it. But now you have all this pent exactly. up anger, fear. And we know how emotions set in where frustration can lead to, you know, almost like estrangement. Estrangement can lead into feeling hopeless. Hopeless can lead into confusion. Confusion can go into a little bit of anger and anger can mm-hmm. you know, lead to a time bomb. So for you... How does all that wrap into your daily life? How do you deal with all of it? How do you balance it? Do you check in with yourself, techniques, etc.? I always do check-ins because, I mean, my life isn't perfect. Dealing with mental health and then having so many children, (laughs) you're going to have issues. And then being on social media where people want to push back too. And I'm the kind of person it's like oh i'm not the one honey don't push back at me because i've gone through some things in my life so i'll push right back you know but i do check in because i have my days you know of um you know when aging as a woman you know i look at things as being a body positive model i'm getting older and it's it's a mental thing so i'll think about that and i'm like oh my goodness i'm gonna be 42 and then i think about i'm like oh why am i getting so upset for because some people don't even have the privilege of getting older You know, so I'm like, no. So for me, I do check in. I have journals. I write my things down uh, in my journal right now. Writing my own book about order to help other people. And I'm finding that I'm checking in more. Um, I take walks in my backyard because I have a beautiful backyard with lots of trees. Mm. So I'll sit out with nature. I believe, you know, we all need moments for ourselves. Like I like to work out. I like to swim. So things like that, when I'm really feeling like, okay, emotionally, Lana, you're not doing well, you need to do something, I straight up go swimming, go running. I do something to kind of break that cycle of that feeling that I have, that wave of, you know, when that anxiety's coming, I just Mm. try and break it and distract myself and cut it out before it takes me over because we can control it. I truly believe that mind over matter is a very strong and powerful thing. And we can control our emotions. We can control our anxiety, our depression, even my PTSD. I find myself being able to control it better. Now I'm somebody who doesn't even take medication anymore. I've been almost 10 years, no medication. I take natural vitamins. I take a lot, 
but I'm able to do this on my own. So that's my check-in, nature, working out, you know, keeping busy. Keep the mind busy, keep the mind focused on something else, but that, you know, that thought, that agonizing thought that keeps repeating itself in, in your mind. So subconsciously, though, you're you're very self-aware because, you you know, you know, as soon as those anxiety things start to trickle in, there's a psychologist I spoke to and she she talked about the four horsemen theory, which was in all of our minds. We have uh, the critic. We have the protagonist. We have the pessimist. We have the um, kind of instigator. And oftentimes our mind is already thinking a mile a minute. We, we're not even conscious of it because it's all happening subconsciously for you. How do you how did you figure out to really dial into yourself to be able to say, I can kind of feel like something's happening. This is not good. I need to interrupt this pattern of feeling, whether it's like you said, working out, swimming, things like that. How did you, you know, take your mind and really transform and try to gain control over that? Because I think most people out there, I mean, you you talk to a lot of people they're not really self-aware. You know, Mm -hmm. most people are going about their business and just kind of like they could get hit over by a Mack truck and they wouldn't even know it's coming. You know, they're, they're not, they're just not like, I feel like a lot of people, they're not present even within themselves. They're just kind of like, well, I woke up, you know, you talk to me, well, tell me about your day. Well, you know, I woke up and okay. Like, did you brush your teeth? Like what happened? What was the routine? Well, you know, it's the same every morning. I'm like, yeah, that's not the point here. The point is the detail behind everything. So for you, how did you be, how did you get that detail yeah. for yourself? I started paying attention. You know, the, the one thing that we don't want to do as people is look at ourselves in the mirror and look at like us. And when you start paying attention to yourself, you become more self-aware. You know, you still when I if I feel a certain way like today, OK, I'm feeling sad. Why am I feeling upset? I'm not going to just push it aside and go about my day. I actually want to figure out what's wrong. So I actually want to challenge myself to sit in that emotion and understand, okay, was it, is it because I'm anxious? Is it because somebody pissed me off? Or is it because I'm thinking about something too much because I'm such an overthinker? So I started doing the work. I started paying attention because if you pay attention to your emotions, you take a a moment to breathe and stop. Mm. You're actually going to become more self-aware. And that's what I started doing. I was like, oh, okay, I feel like this. And normally I'll kind of get busy and be like, oh, no, I'm just going to put that on the side and put a pin in it. And I'm going to get busy doing something else. But I didn't deal with that emotion. And then, you know, when you're working and kids Mm. and everything, then you're tired and it catches up with you. Mm. Then that one emotion turns into 10 and then you're depressed. You know, so I think for me, it's really paying attention to that moment when I'm feeling a certain way. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Sometimes I'm on the phone with somebody. I'm like, listen, I'll call you back in an hour. I have to just deal with something because I know it's important. I need to do the work for my own mental health, for my sanity, for me to feel good and be able to function. I need to be able to look within myself. And it's difficult. Even when, you know, we want to fix ourselves or change flaws or whatever it is internally with our characters. It's hard for people to do that. But I'm noticing the more I'm doing that and I'm being positive about my life and day to day, I'm finding that things in my life are getting better. I'm understanding myself better. I have a better relationship with myself, you know, and that's important. You know, is, everybody's working on the relationship with their partner, but not themselves. Mm, <laughs> right. And oftentimes, oftentimes everybody says, oh, I, I need to fix my partner or whoever I'm with. It's like, yeah, sometimes you got to look at yourself first. Right. You are what you eat and you are who you hang around with. I exactly. always tell people that. Right. So when with everything you've been doing with social media, what is what is a couple surprises or one surprise you've found? Whether it's feedback, whether it's uh, certain people reaching out, whether it's just since you started this whole kind of campaign around, I really want to talk about, you know, mental health. What has been a couple surprises for you that you found? And it could be anything, just a generalization or, or, or anything, just something that you're like, wow, I would have never thought this, you know? Well, the outpouring of people contacting me, like messages, the day that I really started opening up and talking and then I shared that video on my social media, so many people reached out. First of all, when I posted it, I didn't even realize I was like, I got 55,000 views in 24 hours when I posted it and I was shocked mm. and I was like, okay, what am I going to get now? Cause you know, with social media, you never know what you're going to get response. Yeah. 
and it was an outpouring of response so many people that were so positive about it as far as thank you so much for speaking out you've given me the courage to go seek help you've given me the courage to tell somebody in my family you know it's just like i've given people the courage and to me that means a lot to me because why i do what i do is to give people the courage and the voice and people who feel voiceless i want to be that voice and let them know listen i got your back we can do this we can have this conversation so i think it's more that is and people opening up themselves telling people that i follow that i've known or that are public figures myself that i'm like why well, admire this person so much because of this and then they've reached out telling me you know thank you for being so vocal you've given me the strength to be in the public eye and start to open up mm. so i think it's more like the positivity that it come out because I was expecting internet trolls and somebody's going to bash me or, and I was like uh oh okay shields up <laughs> what I have to do why do you why do you think people I was like what why do you think people find it so hard to talk about this why like why is there the stigma like what do you think what what is it what do you think what what, what about humans make so be perfect that just sounds ridiculous, though, Everybody- you know? People care about what people yeah. think way too much, though. That's what I don't get, you know? <laughs> and, I, and I always like to use the analogy. Not an analogy, but I'm like, listen. When you're in the bathroom, butt naked, on the toilet, doing your business, I don't care what kind of makeup you wear. I don't care if it's MAC. I don't care if it's Chanel. I don't care. You are on the bathroom, on the toilet doing your business everybody at that single moment that single beautiful moment is the same doesn't matter how much money you got doesn't matter what you what your life is about we all do the same thing we come in in diapers and we leave this world in diapers right so what so what 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 happens in the middle like what what it's like this you know i mean everybody owes a death Religious, cultural or not, we are going to die one day, and that is the truth. So we have an amount of time which we don't know, which is scary. Every time I say it out loud, it's kind of scary because you don't know how much time you have. Nobody can actually answer that. So why why this big deal about the stigma? And, and, and how do we simplify? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think the stigma is because everybody wants to be perfect. Everybody wants to live their best life. Everybody wants to show this facade. And actually being real is difficult for people. For myself, I've, you know, it took me years to get here to be, you know, I was always straight up, but I was straight up to a point. And what I mean by that is that I was able to, you know, let people know my opinion or whatever, but I wasn't able to really feel like I could be myself because I was always worried about being judged. I modeled for a long time. So it was like, you know, the light on me and I have to be a certain way and a certain body size and certain this and certain that. And when I got to a certain age and I was like, you know what? Forget everything. Just screw it all. I just going to be myself. Love me, hate me, whatever. For me to feed my soul, I'm going to be me. So I think people with, with, you know, bearing their emotions, being vulnerable, people are afraid to be vulnerable because mm-hmm. they feel like, well, if I let my guard down, I'm going to be attacked. No, like you, you can be vulnerable and see if somebody's coming at you with negative inten- intention. You just have to <laughs> yes. be aware, self-aware yes. and open your eyes. <laughs> like if you see somebody chasing you down the street with a knife, you're not going to be like, here, let me give you a hug. You're going to notice it. So yes. I think that's what it is. People are so afraid to be real and authentic and I know that I push that boundary because even sometimes people are like no it's real I'm like you can be you just have to stop caring what other people think of you honestly the only people that I really care what they think of me is my family like my close family like my mother my children my fiance I don't honestly I had this conversation with my best friend I said I love you to death but I really don't care what you think of me mm. <laughs> you know <laughs> But it's you know what? She was though, a little it, insulted, but I was like, <laughs> "Well, you're you're a character. If if you and I'll drop your Instagram in the show notes, but you are a character because when I look at your Instagram, I'm like, oh no, she's she's different. But I like that. How you you were a model? Talk about modeling. How when did you start modeling? When did you stop? And what age would you say was the age when you actually said, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna stop wearing this mask. I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and really show the world who I fully am." 
Um, I started modeling. My first modeling picture was done when I was five because my mother is a, a makeup artist for film and for fashion. So I was with her at a job and somebody just took a picture of me and they were like, oh my God, your daughter's so photogenic. She should model. My mother's like, she's too young. But I really modeled when I was 14 and I didn't think, think I was the girl who was like, you know, basketball, volleyball. I was into sports, running track and did ballet. And I'm like, you want the tomboy to be a model? <laughs> you know? <I> like, <laughs> okay. But at 14, I really started modeling. I was like, all right, okay. And because I'm tall, I'm 5'11 and a half. So it's like, okay. So people are like, yeah, she can model. And then I did a few test shoots, worked with different agencies. And I was with an agency for a very long time who was amazing to me. And then as I got older, into I, older I mean into my 20s, late 20s, you know, I my body changed a lot. I wasn't that skinny girl. And all of a sudden, because I had two kids at that point, and now the curves finally came in, the ones I was waiting for my whole life. <laughs> and then the industry started to shun me for it because I was like shaping up like Tyra Banks. You know, I wasn't the flat girl with no curves. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? And then when Tyra started coming on the scene, I was like, yes, a girl who like, you know, has my body so I can still be in the market. And it was really difficult to be in this kind of an industry. But I stopped, like uh, I stopped modeling at about 34. I decided to stop modeling. And it was funny enough, I just, I decided to shave my head uh, for my friend who was diagnosed with breast cancer and solidarity to her. I shaved my head, said, screw everything. I'm just going to be me. And right before my 40th birthday, I got called to do another shoot. I was like, really? <laughs> you know, like, you know, all the models like 40 years old. You're like 60 years old in the modeling world. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I should have shaved off my head a long time ago. You know, But, um, it was that. And then I decided, you know what? I'm going to do things on my terms. I'm not going to do certain shoots. I'm going to do the shoots that I want to. And if you don't like my body size because I'm too curvy or too whatever, mm. then I'm not going to work with you. So I started making my own rules. And then I started doing a lot of body positive modeling and mm. the walk that I did in New York City that I'm going to be doing again. I'm going to be doing that the real catwalk again. So I wanted to show people because at that point when I did it, I was at my heaviest weight. I was going through a big depression. I was eating a lot. I stopped working out and I gained like 25 pounds. Mm. And I, you know, I had the back rolls and the this and I'm like, hmm, whatever. But when I did the real catwalk, I felt like I was owning my body again. I was like, you know what? I'm doing this. I may not like where I'm at right now, but I'm showing people that you have to learn to love yourself at any size. So that's basically, you know, where I'm at now is I'm just doing me my rules the way I want to do it even when brands approach me it's like I'm going to do this 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 like this and find a way to add me into your brand you mm. know so do you so then your situation do you work do you stay at home like what do you do what do you do are you full-fledged career are you transition what do you do you're crazy I mean, on Instagram but what do you do what exactly do you do <laughs> uh, actually what no let me, ask, let me ask let me ask you when, when when the Canadian Revenue Agency says, how do you generate income? What the hell does it say? Because you know what? I start asking people this question this way. Even in the United States, I said, listen, whatever the IRS, whatever it says with the IRS or the, or the CRA, this is what I'm asking you. Because if anybody's listening right now. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But no, what do you do? Because I think it's I think it's important. You have four kids. You, you, you used to model, still model a little bit. You've taken on, you know, a really cool campaign. You're using social media really to get the word out. So how do you how do you navigate? What do you do? Well, I opened up a business a few years ago with a friend of mine. Um, it was a cosmetic company and we started putting out healthy cosmetics. Um, unfortunately, she wasn't the best uh, partner to have in, in the business. <laughs> So I took a little bit of a hit in that. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, a big hit in that. And I just needed to take some time. So I just continued with modeling. So what it says mm. on my government papers is I'm a model and business owner. So I do have a small business and I'm actually relaunching my campaign with my clothing line and things oh. like that. But that's what I've been doing. But I've been doing a lot of like influencer work, speaking engagements. Mm. I've been hired to do a lot of speaking engagements because I started opening up about my story. So I'm getting paid to do that, collaborate with companies that, you know, that see that I keep it real and they want that realism a part of their campaign and brand. So I've been doing so well as an influencer. You know, I don't have millions of followers, but my 91,000 followers I love because they're so amazing and they support everything that I do. And due to them, I get a lot of paid work. So 
you know, so that's really what I do. There's a lot of collaborations. Like companies are constantly sending me things and then I do my own little posts, but that's mm. what I'm doing right now. And why Instagram for you? Maybe it's a, I'm a, I own a marketing agency. I know the answer to this, but why, why is Instagram the platform for you? Why, why do you feel that there, that's a place you want to go? And given your, your brand and, and future aspirations, is there any other platforms that you would like to focus on that you feel would help build your brand a little bit more? Oh, yeah. Well, I started off on Instagram because I wanted to do I wanted to go on YouTube, but I was kind of like, you know, a fish out of water with YouTube. And I wasn't as funny as it is. I'm used to being in front of a camera, you know, taking pictures. But when it came to like videotaping myself, like talking to myself, I was like, oh, this is a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I started feeling really insecure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no. It makes sense. And I wasn't ready for that. And I wasn't ready for that. And then I said, let me just build my Instagram and figure out what exactly do I want to do on my YouTube channel? Because I don't want to be somebody who's just all over the place. And like, I have my channel. I just put two videos there, you know, things that I had done, just kind of reposted. But I want to start, actually this week, I started setting things up to start filming this week. So I figured out where I want to go. I'm just going to be me. My daily life with my children, my life with mental health, from my favorite clothing stores that I like to go to, you know, how to save money when you have children, when you need to shop. So it's just going to be me, you know? Mm. And I believe that YouTube could be a very good platform for me because now YouTube, I've noticed that they people really are looking for real people. People are into, mm. you know, all the reality shows. There's a reason mm. for it because they want real people. Mm. And I, there's a lot of YouTubers that I follow that I think are absolutely amazing. But I think now they've hit a plateau, you know, now they're trying to get into vlogging more, being real. But all the over-edited videos, like I don't like over-edited videos. I like real stuff. I like bloopers. Show me your real life. Don't wear makeup all the time. You know, like just be yourself. Even for me, when I go on Instagram, I show uh, Insta stories. I just woke up, no makeup on. My hair, I have to color it. I don't care. You know, my bathrobe and my mommy cup. You know? <laughs> it's me. And I yeah. get such amazing responses. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I put out a poll. I'm like, I'm like me to have a YouTube channel and 96% said yes they want me to have a YouTube channel so I'm like okay so she's gonna do it yeah <laughs> but Instagram was a platform it was starting for me to kind of break out into you know like I said it's one thing to take a picture a still picture it's another thing to communicate you of know uh, on video and really because you're talking to yourself essentially but you're also talking to your public so I had to get used to that so it gave me you know, a little bit more courage and gave me more wings that I'm like, yes, I can do this now. <laughs> I tell everybody, though, you know what? You should go. Everybody should go and try to start a podcast or some sort of interview show because I think video is tough for a lot of people. Even taking pictures is tough for a lot of people. People don't enjoy being in front of the camera. But interviewing somebody is a different art and really trying to bring out uh, certain aspects of them. And and I started this podcast because I enjoy really digging deep. I, I'm curious I ask questions that I shouldn't ask. I ask, you know, but this is where the magic really happens in human interaction and connection, right? And, you know, I, I've done a lot of, um, you know, contributing to like TV networks and radio networks and stuff. And I did all that. But as you know, that industry is like, you know, no, online is kind of where you want to be. But um, you came on my Instagram. Is yeah. it from when I when I chatted with Sonia Zarbatani there in Montreal? Because I remember, is that how you, is that how me and you got linked up? Yeah, that was the, that's how I saw you because I know her and I was like, oh, okay, let me see, let me me, take a listen to this. And then I started looking through your other stuff and I'm like, oh, okay, he's interesting. I was like, follow. I was like, 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 and I'm like, (laughs) I really started looking at what your page is about in your content. Like, no, I really like what you're about. You're a family man. You're out there talking about your family. I like your interview style. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to follow him now. And I started listening to your podcast. I'm like, okay, I really like him. This is cool. So when you reached out, I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. Cause I, you know, I, I, I thought about it and I'm like, no, I'm going to reach out because I, I, I think I like, I like somebody who, who kind of puts themselves out there, but then does it in a way that I not like everybody, the, the overused word now is authentic, right? Everybody's authentic, but it's like, you, you have to kind of be authentic it's kind of like somebody saying, I'm an influencer and I'm authentic. No, if you're an influencer, you're like, come on, you already know you have a, a voice, you know? So for what you do, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's great. I really love your style. How, how has, 
I guess, Instagram, social media, kind of the landscape of what you're trying to do. How does that all blend for you? Are you very strategic about trying to build your your brand or are you just like, no, I'm going to use this to talk to as many people as I can? How do you curate your social media? Meaning there's a lot of strategy. Yeah, a lot of strategy. So what's the give us some insight about some of your strategy, because as the people that listen to this podcast are, you know, a lot of business owners, brand people, marketing people. But there's also a lot of people that are just everyday humans that are thinking about, hey, maybe I want to create something or maybe I don't. Maybe I just want some great information. So. For me, it's, um, you know, a lot of people want to post pictures for posting sake, just to say, well, they're posting because of their algorithm, their engagement, blah, blah. I'm like, no, don't focus on those things. For me, I sometimes I have gaps of time of when I post pictures. I use my Insta story and Insta live very often because I find more people are looking for that connection, that short little video, that moment, that rant, that discussion, whatever it is. They're not as interested in the pictures anymore. And of course, with me, when I do post, if you look at my posts, you see that I always have like really long, like blurbs, essentially, but long blurbs. They could be blog posts. And I do that essentially to get people to know who I am. I put a lot of thought into what I post, what I'm writing when I'm posting. So for me, my strategy is that I post when I feel like posting something. When I take a picture and I'm like, you know what, this evokes something in me. I want to share it with the people that are following me. But in between that time, I'm always on Insta Story, connecting with people. Answer, there you go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> connecting with people, talking. And through Insta Story, I ask questions and they answer me back and you know like we go back and forth so that my strategy is connecting with as many people get, letting them get to know me because a picture you can't really get to know me some people see a picture and they'll be like you know I never thought that you had this much personality or this mm. much spunk from your pictures but I knew that you were different mm. but now that I'm talking to you I see that you're well spoken you're well educated and you you got some spunk there I'm like oh yeah and I'm goofy as hell too trust me that's coming soon <laughs> you're your guy here but that's when- my strategy is one post I love is is you posted back on April 14th and you said Sunday's message of gratitude. I don't really post about my family because my page is about me as a brand. However, my fan base connects me with, with me because I'm authentic and vulnerable. So you, you showed your guy and he's just chilling. And I and I like I like that post. Yes, yeah, I like, I like that post. But yes. I think what it's I read, I read, I don't really post about my family because my page is about me as a brand. That stuck out at me because mm-hmm. I wanted I, and I wanted to ask you about this because People, I'm a brand guy too, but this this whole personal brand as opposed to brand brand, it's gotten really murky in this whole branding world. So when you say oh, yeah. my page is about me as a brand, I I automatically think, well, a, a part of your brand is your family. A part of your brand is what you do for a living. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people disagree with me. And they say, no, Ryan, my brand is simply what my company does or what my crusade is. And I like to keep my family and personal life out of that. You, if you look on my Instagram, mm-hmm. I, I kind of blend them, right? I'm, I'm, I'm quite yeah. private. I'm a very private person. So, you know, I don't post everything about my life. But, you know, I mean, what I post on my Instagram is really true to who I am. So, but, you know, when it comes mm-hmm. to my kids and stuff, I'm always cautious. But if it was up to me, I would post 20 million pictures yeah. of my kids per day. But yeah. that, really is, that, that really is my brand, you know? So for you, is there a, a line of distinction or have you blended it a bit? I'm learning to blend it because as a model, it was one thing. As a model, your agency was like, no family pictures, no boyfriend Mm. pictures, no nothing. It's you, it's you, it's you. So you kind of stick in that old school way of marketing. But Mm. I'm trying to slowly open up because I see the moms that reach out to me, the dads that reach out to me. And they're like, you know, I'd like to know more about your significant other and, you know, the role that he's played. Because he's played a very huge role in my life as of recently Mm. because of, you know, I was in a bad relationship, my first uh, son's father. And then I was in a relationship for 17 years where I found out this man had a whole different life in a different country with a wife and children. So I was like, hey, winner, I know how to pick them. You know? <laughs> and then I'm telling you, like, wow, Lana. <laughs> and then this man, I know him from China. <laughs> At least I'm honest about it. I'm like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, this man, somebody that I knew when I was a teenager, and we kind of had a crush on each other. But back then, like a four-year, is it four years? Yeah, well, three-year age gap. I'm like, how old is he? <laughs> three-year age gap back then was 
you know, it was a big deal, but now it's not, you know? So I was like, oh, okay. So we started talking and then I already knew he was a great person. And it was just kind of getting to know him as a grown up man rather than, you know, this young, you know, young man that I knew. So I'm learning to share that because there are people in my life that have made me who I am. Like my mother, my children have taught me so much. They teach, as you know, children teach us so many things. So I'm learning to slowly incorporate that without it overtaking. Cause then I don't want people to think like I'm a mom blogger or a mom influencer, you know? No, I'm a mother with a brand myself. I am my brand, you know, aside from my small business, me as a human being, as the message that I'm trying to convey, the changes that I want to make in this world by being an advocate and ally and really standing strong. I don't want that to get mistaken as, oh, well, she's a mom blogger or a mom influencer and no, I'm a mother. That's a part of me. And I'm slowly incorporating. So I'm learning to kind of incorporate that a little bit so people can see another side of me, you know, mm. because I know that a lot of women write to me. They're like, oh, I, I didn't realize you had four children. Oh, can you tell us more? So I slowly actually started showing my younger son on my Insta stories because he takes up most of my day and he's so super amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so... When we talk about, I like to bring up social social causes, you know, Me Too movements. I like to, when I have female guests on, ask them about Me Too movements, ask them about, you know, especially being a male and stuff, you know, the world's a little bit different. But I, I feel like the gap of blended of sexuality slash mental health slash Me Too movements slash there's so Black Lives Matter slash All Lives Matter slash there's so many different <laughs> I mean sometimes you come out and you're like I gotta watch what I say like you know because you're just like whoa what is your opinion do you do you, do you like them do you feel that they can be taken out of context do you feel like it's a little too much do you think we've lost the word just respect in general like what do you feel about all this some <laughs> go too far like some it's like you know, they start, it's one, and I always tell people, you can advocate again, you know, for something, for a cause and be passionate. I'm a very passionate person. You know, they always say, you must be Italian. I speak with my hands, as you've seen. <laughs> like maybe in my past life, I was Italian, but I'm a very passionate person, you know, and I'm very expressive. So hands are going to come into play, yeah. my facial expressions, it's me. But these people, some of them take it too far. It's like, okay, we had everything that came out with the Me Too movement, which is a movement that needed to happen. However, it was so female driven and focused that for me, I was like, but there are men that have dealt with sexual assault, sexual abuse, rape. So, so why are we singling out women? I even sent them an email. I'm like, I'm, you know, a part of your movement. I've talked about your movement. However, we can't just have everything female driven. There are so many people in this world that go through sexual abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse. So we need to really shine the light. And then even with Black Lives Matter, I remember, oh, I remember this one thing that happened, you know, the whole light skin, dark skin thing. And I was like, oh, Jesus, no, please don't do this. <laughs> it's like, not today, sis. But if you start with me, it's going to be something. Yeah. So I made a, you know, I talked about the Black Lives Matter and the whole movement and, you know, Black Power about this girl because she was really pushing back about light skin, the division of light skin and dark skin people. And I looked at her profile and I'm like, okay, let me, let me ask some questions here because she's really being disrespectful, trying to like, you know, light skin people don't matter or mixed people don't matter. And it's just about if you're, you have to be hundred percent black, but I'm like, wasn't president Obama like mixed? He wasn't black, but the black said he was black. Yo, this, I was this, like, okay. Oh, this shade thing, this, this shade thing <laughs> stands the test of time. I'm, I'm Jamaican and German. Right now, growing up, I remember in school as, as black folks, you know, one guy came up to me. He's like, Ryan, he, you have it easier because you're lighter. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what does that even mean right now? I don't understand this. Right. So my my biggest beef on that is that when people come like I, I think about the Me Too movement, for instance, and it's we a lot of these groups are preaching inclusivity. But when you, especially with women, you do the whole girl boss thing too, right? So here's my beef with that. The moment you say, hey, ladies, let's all get together and empower each other. I love it. I was raised by a single mom. I am so pro-woman. I, I grew up more comfortable with women than men. I go shopping. My wife is like, Ryan's my best friend. The guy will give me opinions on makeup. 
he'll shoes. But she's like my homie. She'll come on and be like, yo, man, I don't know, this looks weak. You know, I don't know, man. You gotta you gotta buck up on that. So it's it's cool, right? But the moment somebody starts saying, okay, we're gonna make a group and empower each other, it's not inclusivity. It's it's actually kind of separation. So not every guy out there is a bad man. There's a lot of great men out there. There's a lot, and there's a lot of bad women, and there's also a lot of great women. Oh, yeah. So I, I, for me, I'm, I'm a human. I'm, I'm big on humanity. Like I don't, I don't really, I don't really put too much emphasis on, on certain groups and stuff. For sure, I'm not agnostic to the fact, you know, racism, LGBTQ, and things like that. And when I do see some people talk about these groups, I can see the passion, and I know they're coming from a great place. Others, I think you wanted to jump on a bandwagon. And I and I don't like that because you, you you get what I'm saying, right? And there's always a distinction. Oh, yeah. You can you can kind of feel it a bit, right? But when somebody comes out and says, "No, this is this is how I feel because this is something close to my heart," like I mad love and respect. But when it when it when the world kind of sees it as something just another topic to jump on, I think we lose sight of what the original topic was there for in the first place. What do you what do you think about that? I agree with you. It's kind of I'll give a perfect example of it. You know, we look at Pride Month. You know, I, I was in New York for World Pride. Uh, I was walking for Showtime's L Word. I was like, let me be there, represent, you know, great show. However, a lot of companies are jumping on the bandwagon for Pride Month. But Pride is all the time. It's 365 days a year, 24-7. People in the LGBTQ plus community deal with this all the time. The issues, the segregation, the lack of inclusivity. So they're piggybacking, piggyback, piggybacking on people to make money and to show, well, I'm, you know, I'm for the LGBTQ community. But after Pride, you don't see them doing anything for the community. So there's so many companies, individuals that do that. I'm like, I'm always talking about mental health, body positivity, uh, color, everything, because these are the things that I'm passionate about because this is what we deal with every day. My transgender sister, I worry about her because she lives in the United States and there's a lot of colored women that, that are trans that are getting murdered. So we, I can't stop the conversation. I have other sisters that are now my sisters, you know. Um, I can't stop talking about these issues. There's so many things that are happening that I'm so passionate about. So for me, I'm not picking piggybacking on anybody or you know for that moment to you know to be or gain popularity and that's what i find too many people are doing that for a moment and then Mm. it's kind of like oh it's over now now let's get back Mm. to our lives Mm. you know they're not being authentic (laughs) (laughs) so you being you being russian nigerian canadian american i mean man you're united nations in a way i mean you represent everything And (laughs) growing up for you, did you ever have a problem identifying? Was it or did you feel like you needed to identify with one or the other? Like, how did you how did you make a mix of that? It's because I give the analogy because it's funny. But a lot of people, I'm half German, half Jamaican. But if I was running down the street, the cops aren't going to be like, go get that German guy. Like, you know, I'm a black dude. I mean, come on. Right. Like. So if somebody says, well, Ryan, are you German, Jamaican? Like to the public, I'm like, yeah, but I'm a, I'm a black dude. And not that I'm not that I want to generalize myself or, or box myself into something. But I mean, come on. There's just certain things where, you know, some things aren't beige. They are black and sometimes they are white. That's the reality. Right. So for you, did you did you did you go through that? Do you feel, you know, even your kids and stuff like how do you how do you wrap that around for their world? Well, like growing up, it was I was raised by a single mother and uh, she was white. So she didn't know what to do with me half the time with the big puffy curly fro. And all of this. I was just like, oh, my God, what do I do? You know, I was like, OK. And, uh, you know, I grew up speaking Russian because of my grandfather and my mother. And then I was trying to fit in. And then my mother decided it was going to be a fabulous idea to send me to a Jewish high school. <laughs> Predominantly white. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> you know, where there was like, you can count the amount of black people in that school. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, ah, make it even more difficult for me, you know? But I was always trying to find my way because it was, you know, back at that time, it's like you're you're not black enough for the black community. You're not white enough for the white community. So I was always kind of flip-flopping, trying to figure myself out. And it was because I spent a lot of time in the United States going to see mm. my father, my family out there, that I started to feel comfortable and say, you know what? No, I can. I don't have to choose. I'm mixed, but society is most likely going to look at me sometimes as a black woman. Some people look at me as just being mixed. Whatever it is, I'm proud of who I am. 
So for me, I don't really put myself in a box or a label. Whatever you see me as, it's fine. I know who I am. And it took me time to get there because of all these boxes of color and race. And, mm. you know, like, unless you do something incredible, like Obama did and become a president, then you're black. But before that, he was this mixed guy who had a white mother and a black father. And yeah. it's like, that's the thing that I don't like is one community over another. And that's what our community does a lot. And I call people out on that a lot. I'm like, you always want to you know, praise when something wonderful happens. And all of a sudden that person is black. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, in, in all respects, though, I have to really say black folks as a, as a as a as a collective, they don't work together. They talk about it, but they're not there's no there's not unified. I'll, I'll give you examples. My wife is uh, Middle Eastern, uh, Egyptian. Well, my wife is Middle Eastern, but her mom is half um half uh she's from jerusalem and guatemala so it's like a mix and her dad is egyptian but lebanese descent and when you look at italian families russian families arab families east indian families asian families chinese families they keep it in the family they work together like the laundromat is owned by the uncle the accountant is the sister the brother is the cook somebody's making the hummus the, the dad yeah. is bringing in the truck like this thing is a full conglomerate enterprise right now when you look at because I'm big on financial literacy I think this is a really important topic especially for kids how to work your money how to understand money I think this is an important important topic they don't teach you in the schools they don't teach you about taxes they don't teach you about capital gains they don't teach you about debt I'm very important I'm very very passionate about this but in the black community in the United States of America Let's say you go in and you spend a dollar with another black person or black owned shop. It will last somewhere of like six to 12 hours in that community. If you take the same dollar in a Chinese community, it lasts 30 days. Mm-hmm. You know, crazy. you know, know this, so you know this, yeah? right? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, we talk about fashion and stuff like that. I, I just, we, we were talking about the whole, um, uh, he's just on the, uh, Dapper Dan on the Breakfast Club because yeah. he was talking about Gucci and all the labels. And Dapper Dan mm-hmm. says, "But you, everybody rocking these high end couture labels, they have to understand who owns the label. Like who actually owns that? You're rocking your Louis and your Versace, but who owns all this, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I think it's important for the world. I, I want to see everybody own, but you know, amongst mm-hmm. Black folks, man, there's got to be a better job done. And I'll say it, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the hits for it because I do feel that." You know, even clients for my business. My biggest support has came from not black people. Fact. Oh, me too. It started <laughs> off like that. And then when people started finding out, well, then when people found out that I was half Nigerian, half African, so the whole Nigerian community came out. Ah, my sister, oh, you did? You did have my job. I'm like, no, I'm not from Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, oh, my sister. <laughs> Well, like, hey, okay. Wow. I spent a lot of time in Nigeria. I did spend a lot of time there. I lived there six months out of the year. At one point, I was helping do a lot of work for the community. So I do speak the dialect. I cook the food. You know, I mimic my aunties all the time. I'm always switching up my accent. People are like, what the hell just happened here? I'm watching a Nollywood movie in front of me. That happens a lot in my house. When my kids know I'm pissed off is when I switch up. But no, the, 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 it didn't start with the black community, though. I started with, like, the Russians. Oh, Svetlana. Oh, Svetichka. Oh, Krasivaya Devichka. Beautiful woman. And they're like, they're writing to me. Oh, you're Russian? They will call me Pushkin. Because, you know, Sergei Alexander Pushkin, he was a black, he was a poet. He was mixed. He was Russian and African. Oh, I didn't so know that. So people started calling me Pushkin. Mm-hmm. I never know. I ne- I, I, say his name again. Sergei Alexander Pushkin. I should he know this. A, I should know this name. Shame on me, eh? I'm sorry. I, he's a... Yeah, he was a black poet. Uh, see, I'm already saying he was a black poet. He was mixed. He was half Russian, and his father yeah. was an ambassador, an African ambassador. Yeah. And so growing up, I mean, my grandfather used to call me Pushkin because I was mixed. Yeah. And uh, but that's well, so it started with the Russian community because of my name, and then other communities started reaching out. A lot of Europeans started reaching out. Then Americans started, but a lot of the Latina community. Then the Armenian, because I have a lot of friends in the Lebanese and Armenian community. Mm. So then they started, and then the black community. One time when I had all the flags of like my background, then they're they're like, that's when they started coming out. Then, you know, when you're 
when you're African or when you're Jamaican or West Indian, they want to claim you now when you're doing well. You know? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. They wanna- See, I, I feel like you are, when it comes to your anxiety or your depression or PTSD, I think you have an overactive brain. I mean, look how many different things. You just gave me two perfect accents within 20 seconds. I mean, this is <laughs> this is unreal. So in your world, Svetlana's world, I mean, that's a busy yeah. world up there, right? It is. But it's not even, it's busy not even, I wouldn't even say it's all self-induced. It's just because of your life. I mean, it's just the way you've lived, right? You have a lot of different, different variations there. So... I'm sure at one point you took all that, what you just told me, and you probably used it for a negative. And what I mean by that is you probably took the, well, I'm from this country, this one, but I'm, I'm not too sure. And in, inside maybe growing up, you might have t- taken it as a, neg- t- a negative. I'm sure now as an adult growing, you see the positivity in it. The fact that yeah. you can relate sincerely with so many different people, with so many different backgrounds, authentically, literally, is a huge, huge uh, chip in your pocket. I mean, that's a huge card, right? So for that, what do you think of all that? And kind of what is your, I don't know, like what is your goal for all that? What do you want to, you want to take your Baskin Robbins or your, you know, rainbow ice cream and your Neapolitan (laughs) ice cream and like, what do you want to do with it? What's your goal? My goal is just to have self, like acceptance and everything is inclusivity in every aspect of it. Because I look, when people are, they look at me, they're like, well, you know, you're a very inclusive person in everything that you do. You include men, women, non-binary, like everybody, as long as you're a human being or an animal, I don't even, as long as you're living and breathing, I'm including you. So for me, it's really getting to the point of people understanding inclusivity. My goal is in life really to just include everybody, stop having these labels Actually, a conversation that I was bringing up recently for the LGBTQ plus community, I said, you don't want labels, but you're creating all these boxes, the L, the G, the B, the Q. What about just being human? So that was a new conversation where it actually sparked a very good conversation, which I'm going to be continuing. Mm. But um, that's my goal is just to have inclusivity, is to love one another, have respect for one another. I just want to make, you know, I, I know that I'm one person, but I believe that it takes one person to start a ripple effect of something good. Somebody else jumps on somebody. It just keeps going. I know I'm one person, but I want to be able to impact people in a positive way. Mm. And that's really what my goal is, is to impact people in a positive way, motivate people, uh, have people live their best lives and not fake it till you make it. That is a bunch of garbage. Mm. Make it till you make it. Keep pushing, keep hustling, keep thriving. Mm. But this fake it till you make it and living my best life. Oh, look at, look, look, look at my rose gold iPhone 8 <laughs> or whatever. Or, you know, they go sit in somebody else's car and they're take, putting their nails in their ring and taking a picture. Living my best life in my Maserati. You know, like... <laughs> And the girl can't even pay her rent, you know. <laughs> my bi- my business card is a sock. I like fashion, ah, so that, that 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 is the truth. But no, no, you're 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 very right about all that. Um, what is your what being a body positive uh, person? What is your favorite part of your body, and what is the part of your body that you hate? But but a favorite part of your body that you hate, but maybe because you hate it, but not necessarily everybody else if that makes sense which i know it does for you <laughs> well, for body positivity yeah um i love my boobs i'm straight up about it i have great boobs i'm proud of my boobs i've breastfed many kids and i'm like yes best part ever <laughs> <laughs> i'm like thank you yes <laughs> you know when women start complimenting your boobs everywhere you go you got great boobs okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great <laughs> The part that I hate is my butt because I keep losing, gaining. I'm like, can you just stay? You know. Oh yeah. But a lot of people are like, you have a great butt though, and I'm like, you know, this whole butt society and culture of the booty and everybody getting their butt done. Like, I'm proud that I have a real booty, you know. So I'm like, but it's still, you know, you lose weight, you lose your booty, you gain weight, Mm. you gain your booty, and so I'm like, damn, man, can it just? Because I'm tall and I'm busty, I like to have proportion, you know, so it doesn't look weird. So when I start losing, I'm like, damn. And then I ask my fiance, because we have a similar relationship to you and your wife, who you were spe- oh. how you were speaking. I'm like, my dude, what's going on with my booty? He's like, listen, this is great. I'm like, dude, I lost. My-. He's like, something's wrong with you. He's like, sit down, shut up. Yeah. People would pay to have your booty. I'm like, see you, you lying to me. And we'll go back and forth, but we laugh about it. He's like, no, really? He's like, honestly, you're beautiful. You need to stop picking at yourself. But as mm. women, we do that. 
we start going to gain a little weight. Oh, I did this. Or, you know, or these companies try and mess with us by making sizes so much smaller. And then we get, I'm like, but I thought it was a size eight, but the company made that size eight a size five. So they're messing uh, with us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's smart. eh? I'm like, this fabric is different. What's going on with this fabric? <laughs> it's gotta be the fabric. <laughs> So I'm like, it's, it's like, I difficult. thought cotton was supposed to stretch. <laughs> like, the same stretching. So, <laughs> being body positive is difficult because as women, I'm very straight up. I'm not perfect. I nitpick just like anybody else would nitpick. But I've learned to stop nitpicking about stupid things that make no sense. I'm like, you know what? I'm lucky. I had children. I don't have stretch marks. I don't have, you know, like... I'm I, I'm just lucky. I'm blessed. Let me just be happy and grateful with what I have and stop complaining about it and, you know, enjoy life. And that's where I'm trying to put my mind in is let me not nitpick so much and put out that positive message to my daughter mm. who is 12 going on 13, but she's like 12, almost my height. She's also got the African genetics. So everything's coming out real early. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, mm. I don't want her having negative body issues and talking down badly about herself and in the culture of the Kim Kardashians I mean I love the Kardashians but everybody's getting like everybody's waking up with a booty and be like it's real though I'm like stop lying <laughs> the internet's existed for a long time we can google your old picture the only thing I don't understand is my biggest thing and I talk about a lot on my podcast is is people who have bad feet people who do not take care of their feet and I'm very, if you scroll back in my, just if you, if you look me up, foot and my name will be like the same. I go crazy. Okay. This is like, I've had a whole podcast dedicated to the importance of foot care. Now feet for me, even before I met my wife, if I was dating, first thing I look at, I'm like, take your socks off. And I don't care if it's winter time. No excuse for the grenades. Oh, it's winter time. Oh, no, and then this is the best one. This is the best one. This this is so. What, what do I call this even? This is so. Uh, I call it salty because. Yeah, I was a gymnast. I was a ballerina for years. I'm like, okay, when was that? Well, I quit when I was nine. <laughs> what the? You, you, oh come on! Like nine years old? That does, why you have a cracked toenail from a nine year old thing? When you're like. 20, like, come on, man. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, don't give me this I was a ballerina crap, right? Like, take care of your toes. And oh, because I, I because agree. to me, because to me, the feet, they symbolize everything. And it's like, you're only gonna invest in what people see. That means that you're not investing, you know, what people don't see. And it's kind of like, how are you when nobody's looking? And that's kind of how I look at feet. Exactly. Right? And it's funny mm-hmm. because I always notice with older women, they always took care of their feet, whereas younger women would they would go do their hair and their feet. I was like, listen, don't spend $300 on your ombre hair. Take $250. Don't, don't take the ombre so high and go take $50 down to your little pedicure place and don't get the shellac. Don't do the shellac because no, the shellac is more high maintenance. And I know you exactly. think you're getting more money, but that's also more fungus underneath it. So don't exactly. do the shellac. Keep that keep that healthy regimen of pedicures. Oh yeah. Your oh, face I looks hilarious right that. now. You look like you're laughing. You look like you're like you got a look on your face that's like crying. disgust. You're like I'm you're crying. I'm yeah. laughing so hard. No, because so, it's so true. <laughs> I'm so much on like fingernail my fingernails my yeah. feet like my feet i'm like they match though i'm like trying to get my foot up like, <laughs> I don't, I'm like oh, i didn't stretch for this <laughs> details you know, I'm, like, I'm so on that you know my friends are like what's well, winter i'm not gonna shave my legs or i'm not gonna wax i'm like uh, honey i take care of everything yeah. all the time yeah. and that's what my fiance always says he's like you know my ex used to tell me that nine years ago like, oh, it's winter i'm gonna let everything grow out i'm like Ew. <laughs> that's, that's a that's nice. a whole that's a whole podcast in itself though honestly i'm, I'm like oh man yeah i know the struggle's real you, try me try me my feet are always done well you work <laughs> you 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 come from a fashion uh industry even even when i had sonia on i think i talked to her about it and she started laughing her face off too because uh, you know they're both you you guys are fashion people i'm like okay but what's the deal with putting your 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 feet in these beautiful stilettos that were like handcrafted and then you pull your feet out and they're grenades it doesn't make any sense to me why put a bu- listen if you put <laughs> lipstick on a cow it's still a cow all right you can't put lipstick on a cow it's still a cow it's like putting perfume on a dirty body 
Like, you know that B.O. is going to smell worse, right? <laughs> you know, that it's not going to cover up the bad smell. <laughs> so true. And, you know, for me, I can't really cover it up because majority of my heels are open toe. I think I only own like three closed toe shoes. Yeah. So for me, I'm always very aware. I like my feet to look nice. I like them to smell good. I like them to be soft. I like to change the color. Sometimes I'll put a little toe ring on just to add a little, you know, a little extra. <laughs> but I'm always about my feet. I'm always like my feet, my hands, everything else like I don't get it. I'm but when you go way. out there, though, especially in summertime, though, and you look down when you're walking, even you sit at a restaurant, I encourage you, look at just look at people's feet. It's amazing. And, it, and I hate to say it. What's really what's really interesting. I would have to say I see more bad feet on a woman than I do on a man. The guy at least cuts his toenails, you know, creams his feet a bit. You know, at least it's clean. Whereas you oh, got, yeah. you know, and don't uh, this whole got- thing about. Oh, you know, I'm in between. Like I got, I got like my, my pinky toes got like a quarter nail polish. And then the other, the big toes got the French tip going on where it's missing the other one. I'm like, no, 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 Once I see a little chip, I'm so anal about it. Once I see a little chip, like I have this little (laughs) pouch that I carry in my purse that has like a little thing of acetone to take off nail Mm. polish. And I have a nail polish in there. I remember I was out one once for a luncheon and I looked at my foot because I always look at people's feet and I was like, oh my God, it's chip. I literally was like, I'll be right back. I went to the bathroom. I was like, shit, I'm painting my toenail in the bathroom. This woman is like, you really take care of your feet. I'm like, do you want to feel how soft these suckers are? I take care of my feet. Uh, Before we get going here, what is one thing you would like to know or say or not know, but what is one thing people that, you know, genuinely don't know about you through your social media and whatnot? that you would like them to know maybe something funny maybe something dorky maybe something something cool maybe it's just something weird you know let's go for a weird just something different uh, i'm a very um what people don't know about me unless they really know me in person is that i am a very comedic person i do stand-up comedy in my house for my, for my family i do a lot of accents as you can tell yes i'm a very goofy person like i'm very silly and outgoing but a lot of people don't get to see that which somebody was like why don't you share that because yeah you, you it doesn't look like that on your instagram you, you got lots of very serious yeah. faces and stuff very serious. Even when you smile. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe. So you're so you, and then uh just my last question for you. What is your definition of greatness? Definition of greatness is just being yourself. Is being the best version of you that you can be every day. Be proud of who you are and be that best version. Don't pretend to be anything that you're not. I mean, everybody can be great. People just need to stop, take a moment and understand that you don't have to pretend to be anybody else to be great. Just be yourself all the time. And that is the ultimate greatness. And uh, last but not least, how can everybody reach out to you? Give them all your information, website, social media. I'll put it in the show notes, but how can everybody come say hi? I'm Instagram at uh, The Real Svetlana. My website is the same thing, www.therealsvetlana.com. I mean, you Google The Real Svetlana because, as you know, my name, Svetlana Trinenko, could be a mouthful. So I made it easy for people. My brand is The Real Svetlana. You Google search it, you find everything on me. So <laughs> that's the best way. Just Google search The Real Svetlana. You'll find everything. <laughs> You'll find everything. Uh, this has been absolutely amazing. And you are good. This is good. So, thank you for listening to the Ryan Holtz podcast show. Thank you, everybody in Russia, Moscow, St. Petersburg. This is Svetka signing out. Wow. <laughs> I, I can't leave it any other place. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Ride Old Show podcast. As always, please, please subscribe on all your favorite uh, podcast uh, listing apps. And also, please write a review on iTunes, Google Play. Um, and just, uh, you know, laugh a lot. And just remember, curiosity is our mandate. 